Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the Newsbusters podcast recorded at the HQ in Reston, Virginia. We're here today with Chris Plant, radio host on WMAL here in Washington, D.C. and syndicated across the country. Welcome to the show, Chris. Why, thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, for us in the MRC family, we should tell you Chris Plant has has, uh, moderated or uh, emceed many MRC galas. Um, so we like seeing his pictures are up here on the walls of the building. And, uh, but we, some of us listen in the car. I, I commute late, so I get to listen to the car 9 to noon. Um, and so I know all of the, uh, all of the, the catchphrases, like Biden's brain, it's, she's a broke. She's a broke, she's a no good. <laughs> <laughs> you had a show on Newsmax. I wanted to mention that for a minute. The Biden Chronicles? Yes, yeah. Well, did it? Did you learn anything new about the president? Well, I, I've got to tell you, I was surprised. I, I, I follow this stuff pretty closely, so I'm not sure that I learned anything uh, new about it. But we used a lot of video clips uh, on the Newsmax show, the Biden Chronicles, four parts. And uh, I think it went over quite well. People seemed to, to enjoy the show uh, because it it was fun. It was, you know, good-natured. And uh, Joe Biden gives you uh, so much comedic material to work with. Uh, what I was surprised by is how many people had never seen the video clips that we used in the Biden Chronicles of him being himself, um, <laughs> because of course you know network television doesn't show those clips. They, right. They conceal them. They you know go into the like, Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse or something, and never to see the light of day. And I was kind of surprised by that because I gobble up so much of it that it's it's uh, you know not fair. Um, but the the show was great fun to do. Newsmax is great. Uh, the people there are great to work with, and we had fun doing it. And I think that uh, conveyed in the show. I think is a fun show to watch. Um, and uh, and I, I, you know, it didn't. Nothing surprised me, but I was uh, surprised by the fact that so many people had never even seen the clips that we used um, because we live in a very strange media environment, don't we? Yeah, I mean, it's you look at things like this, and we, we have these almost every day, where either he does something stupid, like shake hands with the air, right, or he says something stupid, and those, yeah, those are generally all screened out. And we all know, you know, Donald Trump walked down a, a ramp funny, right, or drank, drank a bottle of water funny, right, or called Tim Cook Tim Apple. Those were all news stories. Yeah, for, for weeks. <laughs> and those go to define you. You know, I mean... Uh, uh, it's a standard protocol for Republicans. Any any slip up is uh, amplified and magnified and blown out of proportion. Ask Dan Quayle. Yes. Um, you know, a potato. And you know, forty years later, that's still uh, the first line in his obituary, which uh, hopefully will you know be uh, many decades from now, uh, because he's a very nice guy and he's a smart guy. But that's what defines you. Ronald Reagan, of course, was the source of all evil in the universe and was going to destroy the world with uh, nuclear uh, uh, holocaust. Uh, and in fact, he became the first president to actually reduce the number of nuclear weapons on the planet Earth. He was a uh, doddering fool who had no idea what was going on around him and had one of the most successful presidencies in the history of humankind uh, and did more good for uh, hundreds of millions or billions of people on the planet Earth. 
while being mocked and ridiculed the whole time. President Trump, an incredibly successful four years as president, uh, while uh, standing in the midst of a daily maelstrom that would uh, chew the flesh off of the average mortal. <laughs> and, uh, and he uh, stood strong through four years of, uh, of that. The, uh, you know, the news media is not your friend if you're a Republican. And the news media uh, is your easy prom date if you're a Democrat. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things that obviously we've been at the business of this for a long time. Um, and you will say, uh, and the Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself. Right. Uh, uh, this is what you find with Biden is that there's so much that's screened out. And with, yeah, certainly with Reagan. Uh, yeah, you've got Quayle, who was treated as a dunce. Kamala Harris makes all kinds of bizarre remarks, and they screen those out as well. She has yeah, multiple Dan Quayle moments every time she speaks. <laughs> and uh, yet I was, uh, you know, there are articles this week in the major newspapers about how she's really great and really smart and she's going to make a great presidential candidate and she'd make such a crackerjack president and um, all evidence to the contrary. But again, it's uh, another one of my little sayings is it's good to be a Democrat. Yes. And boy, is it good to be a Democrat. (laughs) Now, you worked before this gig, you worked uh, for how many years at CNN? 17 years. In the Pentagon. 10 years in the Pentagon. And so do you still know any of the people over there at the Pentagon at CNN or they're rotated out? Well, um, the the last person that I worked with uh, just announced the other day that she was moving on. Moving on. So I really don't know any of the people. They're, uh, you know, the turnover there at CNN, I've been gone for a long time now, too. More than 15 years I've been gone. And the turnover there is, uh, it's always been pretty quick. Um, and uh, there are very few people remaining at CNN that I worked with when, when I was there. And that's just as well. You know, if you were in the news business, I, I, I left CNN voluntarily, um, actually twice. I liked it so much the first time um, <laughs> that I had to leave a second time. But I left on my own. Uh, because it became embarrassing for me to admit that I worked for CNN. You know, in Washington, people ask you, what's your name? Uh, what do you do? Right? Yeah. That's the standard thing. Yeah. In California, what's your name? What do you drive? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in, uh, in Washington, it's, what do you do? And I started making things up. <laughs> and, uh, I, I sell small arms in West Africa. Um, you know, I, more uh, respectable. Right. Something, something more respectable. And, and when I discovered that I was making things up because it became embarrassing to say that I worked for CNN, I decided it was time to move on. And so I, uh, I did. Uh, very happily, and um, and I, I got a great buyout when I left because they had all this uh, these, these buyouts at CNN going on at that time, uh, and that was great. And I left. Um, I actually left after um, uh, September 11th. I was at the Pentagon, uh, September 11th, 2001, and I I was already trying to get out of there at the time, but I agreed to stay through the fall of Kabul. And now that could have taken. Five years right. or more. But it didn't because we sent a few guys in on horseback and happened real fast. And so I got my buyout and I left. And then a, um, a year, a year and a half later, uh, I, uh, I got a call from the bosses there and they asked me to come back to the Pentagon because the Iraq war was uh, now in the pipeline. So I did go back to the Pentagon for uh, another year and a half uh, to report um, from the Pentagon on the Iraq war. And then I left again. So I really did leave twice. 
um, I didn't want to miss out completely on the Iraq War, so I went yeah. back for for another uh, for another thing. Did you? Um do you think now when you obviously when you watch it now I mean we all know what it is like now but how much different does it feel to you than when you were there just watching it Well you know to the extent that I can force myself to watch it it's just it's awful Yeah uh, I I was there you know the Bernard Shaw who just right. passed away recently was was my favorite anchor and um and an all-around great guy and he um and he was a news guy, you know? Yeah. And he wasn't a political guy. He wasn't a political guy over a beer or at the dinner table or traveling on an airplane. He just wasn't a political guy. He was a news guy. Um, and he became very famous, of course, uh, the Gulf War One, right? Baghdad, the boys yes. in Baghdad and all that stuff. And, uh, and he always thought it was a little odd that he became so famous because he just saw himself as a news guy. Right. Um, and and there were a lot of people there then that were that were reporters. They were uh, I worked with Jimmy McIntyre at the Pentagon. Sure. And he was a news reporter, and had State Department uh, you know guys Ralph Begleiter and and at the White House Charles Bierbauer and they had the killer bees. We had all these bees. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know uh, and they were news guys and they and uh, most of them came from print or radio and made their way to CNN one way or the other. But they were interested in being in the news business, and that all began melting away. Really, when Ted Turner made the mistake of hiring a lot of people first from CBS, right? But then he hired a lot of people from ABC, and that's where uh, it really went off the rails at CNN. Um, and I'll name names: Rick Kaplan, yeah, oh, big time, who was a uh, big producer of uh, Nightline at ABC. You know, Ted Copley's. I think Rick Kaplan probably has forty-five Emmys or. Or something, and and he wants you to uh, uh, you know uh, see them all uh, in his office. But this guy um, was just uh, pure politics, and mm. started hiring uh, all these people who were you know Democrat Party activists, and right. and uh, really laid waste to uh, to CNN. And in my humble estimation, yeah, I mean, I, I I seem to think, I mean, you know, some of us have been here since the '80s, and so. Um, when they try to ask themselves, well, gee, what could we do to build credibility? This, this is exactly the model, which is why don't you just suggest that you're in the news business right. and not in the helping the Democrats win business? Yeah. You know, I mean, there was liberal bias in the 80s. There That's was, right. as we suggest, there was liberal bias in the 90s. Um, and Rick Kaplan was infamous because he was advising Bill Clinton on which interviews to take. Right. You know, and it's that sort of thing. Where if Fox News does it, it's scandalous. If Fox News tells a reporter or a pr- candidate how to do something, but when they do it, it's it's just friends helping friends, I guess. Yeah, another day in the office. So, so when you, uh, I want to know about your process a little, um, or and uh, and your producing team. I mean, uh, does anybody get up at two in the morning to prepare for a morning show, or uh, or is that just the O'Connor people that have to come out at five? Well, if you if you're coming out at five, you, you of course have to get up, you know, in the middle of the night, and uh, and, uh, and I know I get up at uh, five a.m. Um, typically, and I am in front of my jumbotron at home. Um, certainly, by this morning, I was in front of the television by five a.m., and I have um, uh, a, a six tuner DVR, and I record uh, CNN, MSDNC. Uh, Fox News, uh, and 
and I, honestly, I don't record the network, uh, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS, because they don't really do anything. You know, yeah. They don't report the news. And, of course, CNN doesn't really report the news. <laughs> and MSNBC just screams about Donald Trump most of the time. They're, yes. they're mentally ill, uh, Joe and Mika. Uh, and, uh, honestly, that's, uh, you know, bless their hearts. Uh, you should feel sad for them when you watch them. And, you know, there are more people standing in Times Square at any given uh, moment than there are watching uh, Morning Joe or MSNBC. Uh, but I, I have, I, when I go to bed, I probably already, by the time I go to bed the night before, I probably are, because uh, I start stacking stuff up uh, minutes after we get off the air at noon. Uh, we knock off at noon, and honestly, uh, Michael Piercy is the producer yes. of the show. And, um, and Kevin helps us with uh, online things. Um, and he's kind of new to the, the team, but Kevin helps out. Kevin Tober over here is sitting at the end of the table looking very much like an, a corporate executive. <laughs> and, uh, but really, it's Michael Piercy and myself. And uh, Michael Piercy is also the, what they call the board operator in the radio studio who's pushing the buttons to make the sound bites play and the, and, uh, the music and, and all of that good stuff. So it's really me and Michael. I mean, you said a team. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, team uh, me and Michael. That's uh, and well. My, I just Michael's think people sometimes like to know the little geeky insider sure. things. That's what we do here. <laughs> no, I, I hear people talking in other radio shows, and they talk about how they sounds like they've got a dozen people uh, doing things. Um, I've been doing this show for 17 years, and it's uh, you know, it's it's my show. I generate uh, the overwhelming majority of the stories. I read up on all the stories in the news. I I comb the, the, the television for the sound bites that I'm going to use. Um, Michael Piercy uh, contributes that. T- he doesn't watch the television. He, he combs things online um, where he's very good at finding a whole range of things. And, you know, there are plenty of sound bites and videos and things online. You know, the, the, the problem that I have is not having enough to do the show it's having too much. Yes. I've only got a three-hour show <laughs> every day, and the Democrats give me five to six hours of material every day of crazy. I mean, it's nuts. And you know, all the transgender stuff and the, the luggage thief and the yes. children and the uh, grammar school and, and uh, the after-school Satan club. and the, I mean, I could just stick to... Um, Democrat Party and the kids of America and do three hours a day on that. They're so crazy. True. Yeah, I was going to say sometimes in the car, it's like, oh, he's going to tell me what's on the front page of the Washington Post that I hadn't seen it yet. I'll see it when I get into work. I try not to get it at home because it st- stacks up and I get in trouble. So I, I don't get the post at home. And I don't, who wants to pay for it at this point? Right. But it's... It, it, People who aren't in D.C. sometimes probably don't understand just how dominant the paper is here. And it's certainly Washington Post, the New York Times can set the agenda for, the, for what the networks are doing. So That's right. it is always fun to, to, uh, to hear you take off on what the Post is up to. So, uh, yeah, when, even when they're doing these articles like Shark Week is racist. Which is true. You, uh, people think you're making that up. That was, that was an actual story last week because that Shark Week on what's a Discovery Channel um, is they have too many white guys uh, on the show and too many of them are named Mike. Yeah. That they were upset. There are no black people named too, Mike? Too many. That's, it, was, 
It was quite bizarre. And also, the uh, the article said that they were also unfair to sharks on uh, Shark Week. Because they, oh, they always cover the great white sharks and not the sharks of other colors. They're not nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, great white supremacy. The, uh, yeah, that is, uh, that's funny. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they give us so much crazy that uh, that three hours is not enough. It's genuinely not enough. So show prep is not a problem. I've been prepping. This is another thing, too. I've been prepping for this all my life. I've been gobbling up news. I grew up in a news household. My uh, stepfather was a news reporter. Bill for Plant. A, for a CBS for 52 years. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my mother had been in the news business when I was a kid. I used to watch my mother on television in Milwaukee, and, and her father was on television um, in uh, Milwaukee doing news and things. I've got a brother who's a news reporter in San Diego, a brother in New York who's a news producer. Uh, and... You know, and then I was with uh, CNN for, for nearly two decades. And, and so, I mean, all of that is kind of prep for doing radio. And a big part of what I do on radio and what everybody should do is pick apart what the media is feeding us. Right. Because uh, it should not be digested whole and it should not be um, accepted at face value. And uh, so I... I spent a lot of time guffawing. I do get the Washington Post delivered to my front door. Um, and there are good newspapers in Washington, D.C. The Washington Examiner, the Washington Times, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Free Beacon. Sure. You know, I mean, these are papers that are reporting the news. And the Washington Post is the least likely to report the news. But it has the reputation. It has the legacy yep. reputation. Um, and, of course, something I, I like to remind people. And, you know, it's uh, the... Uh, uh, talk about journalism uh, operating in PACs, PAC journalism, right? A, a great friend of mine who's a, an admiral now retired uh, at the Pentagon when I was there said the, the media isn't a PAC, it's a centipede. <laughs> and the head of the centipede is the New York Times. Mm -hmm. And that's true. Even the Washington Post uh, envies and uh, uh, follows the New York Times. But those are the two, if it were a you know, double-headed uh, centipede, it would be the New York Times and the Washington Post. Uh, and the truth is they're awful newspapers when it comes to journalism. But the New York Times did have something that was of great value uh, maybe two months ago now that was buried even in their own paper. They took a poll with, uh, what was it, Siena College? Yes. Uh, and the uh, poll found New York Times poll. They asked, uh, it was shortly before the midterm elections, and they wanted an answer different than the answer they got, but they asked the, uh, the, the public that they polled, uh, do you believe that our democracy is under threat? 70-some-odd uh, percent said, yes, our democracy is under threat. Uh, who do you believe is the greatest threat to our democracy? And 84% of us said the media, <laughs> said the news media. Now, that's not the answer that the New York Times wanted. And they said, well, who, who else? And they said, the people in the poll, the Democratic Party, because the Democratic Party isn't, as I like to say. And um, then after that, the Republican Party, and after that, Donald Trump, which is the answer they wanted. That yes. was the answer they were hoping for. And that's why the poll, you know, made page uh, 64 or something of the New York <laughs> Times. And nobody followed up on that poll. CNN and MSNBC never mentioned that poll. Uh, the other papers didn't pick up that poll because it's not the answer they wanted, right? Well, I mean, they, these people see themselves 
as not just the saviors of democracy, they are democracy in action. I mean, yeah. they, and what's always so astonishing about that is they don't want to actually have a conversation with the other side. No. They're all about shutting down the other side. And yeah. that's where I always mock them and say the idea that you're either for democracy or you represent the First Amendment, right. you think the First Amendment's only for you, not for right. the rest of us. Right. So it, it, is, it, it is fascinating to watch. Yeah. Uh, that's one word. well look people will always say about what we do and i'm sure you're sort of in the same business as us and that is that they're like how can you stand it (laughs) and 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 the simple answer is you you have to find it amusing you know at least on some level obviously you get angry um the one of the things i was just doing this week was yes joe scarborough got this talking point in his head that's that's of course a lie and that is that Donald Trump t- traded 5,000 Taliban terrorists for nothing. I saw him mention that just the other day, yeah. And the truth is, Snopes, believe it or not, Snopes.com, that's usually Which is doing, a Democrat Party front group. Right, and most yeah. of their fact checks are about, you know, did, was Abe Lincoln a woman or something. But right. the, this one was basically had the documents, and it said the actual agreement was, and it was within the Afghan, it, with if Afghanistan, 5,000 Taliban people for 1,000 people the Taliban were holding. So you could say it was an uneven trade, but they were actually trading for something. But to, because of the Brittany Griner swap, Joe Scarborough got on his head that Trump traded 5,000 Taliban terrorists for nothing. And when I went looking in our closed captioning, he said it 10 times. Yeah, he uh, he's, he's not an original thinker. And I'm guessing that, uh, you know, President Trump, after the deal, probably blackened the sky with B-52s and bombed the snot out of the Taliban that had uh, found themselves back on the battlefield because, you know, President Trump wasn't cozying up to them. Um, you know, uh, Barack Obama, of course, gave the five top Taliban leaders that uh, we had captured, our special operators had had captured, uh, in exchange for Bo Bergdahl, right. who, uh, you know, even uh, the people in his unit um, uh, wouldn't have you know, traded a deck of cards for him. But um, but that was a big one. And then, of course, Joe Biden gave Afghanistan back right. to the Taliban, and the public executions have resumed, which is a nice, and the women are back to being beaten with sticks for not doing whatever it is these, you know, medieval troglodytes um, demand of them. And somehow Trump is the bad guy. He wiped out ISIS while Barack Obama and Joe Biden watched ISIS grow from a, an organization that was in a studio apartment in Aleppo uh, and ended up taking over a territory the size of Great Britain uh, and committing genocide and, and uh, industrial strength uh, uh, medieval lunacy. Uh, and then President Trump went up and uh, 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 you know mopped the floor with him because he unleashed the U.S. military on the bad guys, whereas... Uh, Joe Biden went and uh, he that you know Obama sent him to pull the plug on Iraq. Uh, That uh, was a a calamity, a disaster. Um, uh, Obama and Biden watched ISIS grow from nothing to the most uh, fearsome Islamist power since the Middle Ages. Uh, And you know the New York Times didn't have anything to say about that, and Joe Scarborough didn't have anything to say about that. Yeah, I think there was this Matthew Iglesias, who I would call a liberal, but I think he's. He's enough of a dissenter that they wouldn't call him a liberal. And they said, you know, what has the media not done? What's the biggest non-story under Trump? And he goes, the Islamic State. 
It was the story that they just hadn't done. He was willing to say this was. A, I thought that was really interesting. You know, one of the other things we noticed at the time was that every new stock market high under Trump, not a story. Right. You know, unemployment, record low unemployment for minorities. Right. With the white supremacist president. Right. Not a story. So I mean, you know, now not a story is, uh, you know, Biden spills something on himself. But uh, in that case, these were these were substantive points. Yeah, our uh, yes, our news media. I mean, honestly, our news media is the most corrupt institution in the United States of America. And we'd live in a very different uh, constitutional republic if we had a legitimate uh, fourth estate. I started calling them the fi- the the filth the filth estate. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the filth estate because they uh, they're an embarrassment uh, not only to their alleged profession but really to the very concept of a free press. Um, the idea was not uh, that they would be free to be as corrupt. Um, as they are, uh, and and it's just so shamelessly and obviously corrupt and one-sided. You know, a longtime CBS News correspondent Bernard Goldberg, Bernie Goldberg, wrote a book many years ago yeah. called Bias. Yes, and it was uh, he was then shunned from the village, you know, by the village uh, for writing this book about bias in the news media, where he laid everything out in exquisite detail. Um, and now the very concept, and uh, Bernard Goldberg's concept of bias in the news media is, is a quaint notion of a bygone era. Yes. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, against the wall corruption now. And it's, it's so shameless, it's so brazen at this point that I don't know how these people like, I, you know, I couldn't uh, admit to people that uh, I worked for CNN, I don't know how these people... Uh, can lay their heads down on the pillow at night and go to sleep in good conscience. Um, I guess they don't suffer with uh, well, I, you such have notions. To, when you watch their product, I mean, I think that you have to guess. You know, I haven't had Lester Holt on the podcast, but I think what you'd have to guess, they think they're doing heroic things. Yeah. You know, oh, we're all the things that the Democrats say, right? We're bending the arc of history toward justice. Right. You know, they have to think that they're doing the best thing. But this is my problem, and this is why they're anti-democratic. They never presume that conservatives have a noble intention. Right, that's right. Like they might actually revere the country's traditions. The founding fathers, the Western civilization, <laughs> Western civilization in general, the Enlightenment, the gender binary. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> antiquated yeah. notions. My mother was a woman. Um, <laughs> you know, so you see, the uh, my father was a man, um, and that's how that works. And then it go like this, and then here I am. Yeah. Right? See. Yeah, it's I just did a hand thing. It is a mind-boggling world we're living in. <clears throat> it so. certainly is. Uh, yeah, and the I, I don't know. I talked about this today. Um, which dictionary was it? Uh, oh, dictionary.com, I bet. Webster's Dictionary. There, several of them. Changed the definition of man and the definition of woman to bend the arc of history toward justice yeah. by saying that, uh, it, you know, uh, look, a, a woman is an adult female human. A man is an adult male human. That's, that's what the words mean. But now the online dictionary has been altered, and it says... Um, you, know, you may not have been assigned that way at birth, but now, you're, and it says an adult person, not an adult male person mm. for men, an adult person who identifies as male, although you may not have been assigned that way at birth. Now, this is a mental illness. This is not, and they claim we're the party of science, yes, you know, of exactly. science fiction. Um, it's, um, it's an amazing time. And, and they, 
You know, when Amy Coney Barrett was being confirmed to the Supreme Court, the uh, Senate hearing, who was it? Uh, Maisie Hirono took umbrage, a uh, Democrat senator from Hawaii, not very bright, took umbrage with uh, Amy Coney Barrett uh, using the turn of phrase sexual preference. And she pounded the table and said, that is objectionable. That is biased. That's, you know, anti-LGBTQQIAA plus people use sexual preference uh, and that's wrong. Well, the the next day, the online uh, dictionary, um, I think that was Webster's also, changed sexual preference, which had always been in there, and they added in, in parentheses offensive or sometimes offensive yeah. because Maisie Hirono said, now this is George Orwell's nightmare. This is uh, pretty extraordinary stuff. They're changing the dictionary right before our very eyes. And I would say if you have to look up woman in the dictionary, I right. mean, you're, you're not a bright person. I mean, well, Contenzi Brown Jackson, who's sitting on the Supreme Court, couldn't answer that question. Yeah. Right. When Marsha Blackburn asked, uh, you, can you tell me what a woman is? And it stumped her. Which is why, I guess, that this is what the dictionary.com thing I was reading today was. Yes, we've seen a big surge in people looking up women in the dictionary right around that whole controversy. Yeah. Because I guess many of us were waiting. How long would it take for the online dictionaries right. to bend this is really, you know, Soviet-style, uh, totalitarian, George Orwell's nightmare stuff. And we're watching it every day, um, right yeah, I mean, in front of us. And they don't even make a secret about it. They're just, well, we're just, we're changing the dictionary. It's, honestly, it's 1984 um, brought to life. It's so, extraordinary. And they're the ones that say we're the threat to democracy. And to science, that they're, yeah. you know, they're... And and honestly, I do love the uh, the uh, stump uh, you know stump the chump stump a Democrat. Ask him how many genders there. Are. Yeah, and then you can just walk away because they're you they know, they're may... done. They can't engage. They don't know what to say. Biden said at least three. At least three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many does Facebook acknowledge? Fifty-two. Oh. Well, <clears throat> you see, Sanford. Yeah, uh, yeah, fifty-seven or fifty-eight, I think. But in England, Facebook has even more. Uh, and San Francisco, the Democrats there, they're doing such a nice job with that city, aren't they? Um, they they're trying to give away money to if you're transgender or identify as transgender, they want to give you twelve hundred taxpayer dollars a month, right? Oh, and and they put together a list of um, uh, and it was ninety some odd gender choices 90 some odd <laughs> including things you can't even say um you know one <clears throat> one of them is uh gender beep uh gender f word all right and that's and this is a, that's a, a category a designation you 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 uh self-identify as gender beep uh <laughs> and that's a choice and the san francisco official government document you can identify as as gender f and be eligible for 1200 taxpayer dollars a month so it's <clears> mid-december <throat> i don't know if there's been a lot of war on christmas type material yet I, I, very I, interesting you're right that's uh, very interesting and, and, and it hadn't even uh, occurred to me uh they're too busy making war on gender and children and and common sense and sanity that you know christmas i guess has taken a back seat to uh, grooming your children. Just don't say grooming. I'm waiting for the word grooming to be altered in the, uh, in the dictionary yes. sometime very soon. Um, there was, uh, where, it was on CNN or is it in congressional testimony or both today, um, a leftist objecting to the use of the word grooming uh, by Republicans 
and they said, because Democrats don't talk about it, they just do it, um, and they, uh, they're uh, objecting to people using the word grooming. And I, what did they, they say it was uh, homophobic and transphobic to use the term grooming. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. So what do you... You knew that was coming. You per, prefer, um, you know, like, should we go back to just pedophile? You can uh, just go back to all the words that will now not be used. Recruiting. Right. Will also be banned. <clears throat> it's like, well, what do you call it? You know, we had this whole, was this the Veritas tape where they're sort of saying, oh, yeah, we're teaching the kindergartners about butt plugs. Butt plugs and dildos at the, the high school in Chicago, a private high school, no less, in Chicago. And uh, the, uh, you know, shamelessly um, recruiting, grooming uh, dean of the school was very proud of distributing excuse me, dildos and butt plugs to the underage kiddies and teaching them, he bragged, about queer sex. And, well, what if the parents found out? Well, they won't find out. They, I mean, you should go to prison for this. If you're doing this in a park instead yeah. of a school, yeah. you know, the police would put handcuffs on you and, and drag you away. But because it's a school, uh, somehow that makes it okay. It, it should be the opposite of, uh, of that. But you know, this is Democrat world. It's like Bizarro world. They should. We. I mean, it would be nice to hear. It would be nice to sit in a newsroom and say, I would like to hear you discuss what the word is for that. Right. Why don't you choose a word for that? Right, and get back to us. So you can actually report on it, because this is the kind of story that is a hot story in conservative Twitter, talk mm. radio, uh, Fox News, whatever. But it's not this kind of thing they want to discuss. And the... Um do, do you? I'm sure you saw the school teacher woman in Texas in high school, where the kids in the class were talking about uh, pedophiles or child molesters, and the teacher, a woman, objected to the use of those terms and explained to the high school kids, "No, we don't use those terms. We use minor attracted person. A map. Yeah, they love acronyms. So here's the map." And she said, what'd she say? Uh, don't be critical of someone just because they want to have sex with a five-year-old. <laughs> That's what she don't said. Don't knock it till you try it? Is I, that what's I, coming? I, I got to tell you, I mean, it makes Roman Polanski look like he's, uh, you know, I think of standing ovations to Roman Polanski. He literally did slip quaaludes and champagne to a 13-year-old girl and repeatedly sexually assault her. And, and of course, he gets, uh, long after that, a standing ovation at the Oscars led by, of all people, Harvey Swinstein. Yes. And they're all, you know, big Democrats. Meryl Streep is there clapping, yay, the child rapist who's uh, fled the law and is living in France, where this sort of thing is okay. Uh, it's uh, the Democrat Party has, if it ever had a mind, it's uh, nowhere to be found now. I tell you, John F. Kennedy would have nothing to do with this party, and this party would have nothing to do with John F. Kennedy. Well, yes, people don't have that understanding. I think you have to be of a certain age to remember the parties in general were much closer to each other. The Democrats were much more conservative and the Republicans were much more liberal uh, back when I was growing up in the 70s and the 80s. And then, of course, at some point there in the 70s, all the Southern Democrats became Republicans. So suddenly the Republican Party was the segregationist racist party. Yeah, it was, uh, that was a trick. There's a, there's a great piece. Even the New York Times wrote an honest, honest piece about it once many years ago that you can find online. Uh, the headline is The Myth of the Southern Strategy. Because this is just another trick. It's a bit of judo that the Democrat Party played. Um, the, uh, the Southern Democrats, who were all the racists, um, first of all, uh, left politics, died out. And the reason that the Southern Democrats left the party in 
1968 is because the Democrats were burning our cities to the ground mm -hmm. like they had been for the last couple of years all over again because they were rioting and attacking the police and it was indefensible and they were, you know, pro-Hanoi. Right. Uh, and, um, and that's why Americans and a lot of these people were World War II veterans right. and they were patriotic Americans and they were Democrats. You know, but look, I mean, everybody knows or not everybody knows the history of the Democrat Party. But that whole that whole Southern strategy thing is complete myth, complete a complete fabrication by the Democrat Party to try to erase their history, which they're continuing to do. We just saw yesterday in Richmond they took down uh, the statue of A.P. Hill, uh, the last Confederate statue in Richmond, Virginia, which mm -hmm. was the capital of the Confederacy. Uh, and their president was, of course, an elected Democrat, mm -hmm. uh, Jefferson Davis, while the president of the Union was Abraham Lincoln, who was shot in the head and killed by a Democrat uh, just after the war, who was also an actor. What more do you need to know? <laughs> uh, uh, but, I mean, look, the history of the Democrat Party is the history of racism in America. Start with uh, firing on Fort Sumter uh, and uh, go, go from there. Jefferson Davis and Nathan Bedford Forrest and, and uh, the KKK and Jim Crow you know, a, a fictional Democrat, but every Jim Crow law is a Democrat law. And and that's not actually taught in, uh, you know, when they're teaching the 1619 uh, fabrication. Yeah. They're not teaching the real history of the Democrat Party. And then somehow, you know, they're able to erase their, their history. Nancy Pelosi had uh, statues and portraits, paintings taken down uh, from within the Capitol uh, because of the racist or segregationist history of the the subject of the sculpture or the painting, and every single one of them was a Democrat. <laughs> now, try to find that in a news report about Nancy Pelosi taking down the portraits of the racists and the segregationists. Show me an article where it could be five pages long, and they're not going to mention that they're all Democrats, and they won't list them one at a time and say, Democrat, Democrat. That's just erased from the history. But the Democrat Party is, they're erasing their racist past. Oh, they did this with the Georgia runoffs. I mean, they, we saw some stories this week where they said, well, the Georgia runoffs, they're done this way in response to segregationists. And who were the segregationists right. in yeah. Georgia? Right. Stacey Abrams, can you answer that for right. us? Right, right. That's exactly <laughs> right. You know, and Joe Biden himself, he's in the, he's in the White House now, uh, famously said, and he, uh, you know, a lot of those uh, segregationist, racist uh, uh, Southern Democrats were colleagues of his. He's been there for that long. Right. And... Um, and, uh, and they were good friends of his. And he worked with Senator Byrd, uh, Robert Byrd from West Virginia, who created the KKK in West Virginia. There had never been a, a chapter of the KKK in West Virginia till Democrat Senator uh, Robert Byrd created it. And he was the exalted cyclops of what the is. KKK. <laughs> and they come up with these titles. And the Klegel, the Klegel, yeah, which is that? not an exercise. Yeah. That was the recruiter. He was, uh, he was the recruiter. Uh, and, and he was one of Joe Biden's uh, colleagues. And, and Joe Biden famously said, when they started integrating the schools in Delaware that, uh, with his kids, that he didn't want his kids going to school in a racial jungle. Yes. That's Joe Biden. He's right. the president now. Yeah. He also sexually assaulted Tara Reid, who was on his staff. Uh, and, you know, if you're a Republican, these things might matter. But when you're a Democrat, you know, uh, they're expunged from your record uh, by by the people that are supposed to be policing you, the, by the fourth estate. She was on 60 Minutes in Australia. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. 60 Minutes in America just has 
you know, people of upright moral character like Michael Avenatti. Right, that's and right. And Stormy Daniels. Yeah, yeah. Big, well, CNN wanted to run Michael Avenatti for president. Yeah. Well, it's because he was somehow he was media savvy when they invited him on two hundred times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And Uncle Fester, uh, yeah. uh, Brian Seltzerwater, uh, said the reason he takes him seriously as a presidential candidate or a potential presidential candidate is because of his many appearances on cable TV. <laughs> oh, he would show up whenever you invited him. Uh, that's exactly right. And yeah. it was it was well, yeah. And of course. Anna Navarro compared him to the Holy Spirit because <laughs> anybody who was going to take down Donald Trump was pretty much Jesus and God the Father. Right. The it, it is Spirit. their religion. It is, it, is a, it is a cult, yeah. And Michael Avenatti, we played a soundbite the other day. Michael Avenatti was on The View. Yes. And he uh, uh, had the uh, women, I'm making quotation marks with my fingers, on The View, uh, giddy with delight. When he said all of his sexual fantasies involve handcuffs. <laughs> yeah. Now that he's going to prison for 15 years. I, that fits. Um, yeah, I, uh, bada boom. <laughs> well, this has been a pleasure and a joy, and we thank you for coming by, Chris. Thanks for having me. Great being here. You're a great organization. This is a great and very important organization, and, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm really happy to be here in your headquarters and your your uh, wonderful, beautiful, palatial uh, headquarters and the <laughs> surroundings. And, and uh, you know, it's a great team of people doing really great work and, um, and uh, very much deserving of support from the American people, you know, if you like America. Exactly. We like to think so. so thanks for coming on. You bet. That's all for today. So come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>